Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Sportster Show. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with thesportster.com. In a second, we're going to have Norman Quarantin, who is with the Sportster as well, but was at AEW's Double or Nothing on Sunday night, he got a first-hand account of everything that went down over that lengthy pay-per-view. Um, MGF drama, CM Punk becomes the new AEW World Champion, the finals of the Owen Hart Tournament. We're going to talk all of that here on episode number eight. Uh, just a quick reminder, though, before we get into it, if you don't mind, we'd love it if you would go to your favorite podcast platform, something like Apple Podcasts, listen, download, subscribe to the show, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That would really help us out. And of course, uh, check all of our social platforms out from Twitter to Facebook to the YouTube channel. Uh, Things like that work out great for us. If you do that, we appreciate it. Uh, But no longer will we hold back. Episode number eight is talking all about AEW's Double or Nothing. We hope you enjoy the show. Awesome. Uh, you are probably one tired individual getting back from Las Vegas and double or nothing for AEW, which is going to be the focus of today's podcast. Norman, how you doing? I'm, t- I'm exhausted, but, um, you know, still buzzing a little bit. I had fun, but yeah, I'm totally, I'm absolutely exhausted. You know, the mistake I made was um, being too cheap to uh, buy accommodation for last night and just deciding to drive home <laughs> and uh yeah big mistake really big mistake but you know i saved like 200 bucks so i can't complain too much well when the show runs as long as it runs too you probably weren't anticipating that you would get out of there so late and we're dude talk i th- a little bit about that too. yeah i thought i was going to be out of there by nine at the latest like i was very optimistic i was like aw pay-per-views normally aren't that bad i feel like they're gonna I feel like because it's, cause it's uh, on the West Coast, I feel like they're gonna, it's going to be like a hard out at 9 p.m. And boy, was I wrong, especially when you factor in the, uh, the media scrum. But we'll get to that later, too, I guess. 
Yeah, I was up <laughs> watching that media scrum. Um, and yes, we'll talk about Tony Khan uh, specifically and how long his answers were. He was very winded. He had a lot to say. Um, and at one point sort of flipped out during the press conference on, uh, not necessarily on anybody, but just in terms of a response to a question that I thought was very interesting. So uh, let's dig right into it. I mean, the big news uh, was that Hangman Page and CM Punk were fighting for the AEW Championship, but that isn't really what kind of focused everybody's attention heading into the show itself. Uh, most people were focused on what happened about 24 hours earlier, which was that apparently MJF just disappeared. On Saturday, he was supposed to be at a meet and greet for AEW and did not show up for that. Uh, fans that were waiting in line didn't see him. Then, of course, the storm comes that, well, what's going on? Is this real? Is this a work? You never know with MGF because he's constantly in kayfabe mode, but he's always doing his character. Uh, multiple reports, including SRS from Fightful, says, no, this is real. He says there's a flight uh, booked for MJF out of Las Vegas that night, then reveals that he didn't get on that flight. So nobody really knows if MJF's going to show up. And then we learn that he is going to be there. They are promoting the match, and it's the first match of the night. So uh, let's start with that. What did you make of the MJF chaos, the storyline? <clears throat> is it a shoot? Is it a work? Mm -hmm. uh, did they put it on first because of all that? What mm -hmm. are you thinking when you hear about all this MJF, especially being there? What's the, well, the buzz around the event? Yeah, I mean that was weird. Honestly, that was there was a lot of yeah, a lot of people talking. Uh, the, the casinos were packed with with chatter and gossip uh, regarding the MJF situation. I think from you know, I think a lot of people were kind of split on whether or not it was a shoot or a work. I think for the most part, people probably just thought people thought it was a shoot because um, there wasn't too much. There didn't seem to be too much logic in it being a work. I guess like to what end? Like what was the end? What was the sort of end result if it was a work i guess um maybe sell a few sell a few more pay-per-views or something i don't know but um so in my opinion i think it probably is a sh i think it's a shoot right i think there was i think there definitely was some um some sort of hostility there was some clash or some disagreement um but i think they may have i think tony khan probably thought fast and tried to rectify the situation as soon as possible and that's why MJF ended up. I think I don't. I don't think MJF showing up and and participating in the match is evidence that it wasn't a real situation, right? Um, right. So yeah. So that's 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 where I'm at. Well, the big the big thing everybody's thinking about is, oh my god, what's happening here? Is this the AEW version of Sasha Banks and Naomi? Did he just bail on the event? Did he hold them up at a time that they knew and he knew this was huge for AEW, right? Wardlow's going to go over here. He's going to be a massive star. That's the plan. Tons of buildup. Weeks, months of this match being kind of uh, highly anticipated and then MJF just sort of vanishes, right? That's mm -hmm. the big storyline. And the work situation here that everybody's talking about is, was this controversial enough that people wanted to know would MJF be there? Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe they would tune in or they would... You know, not flip over to the NBA as the pay per view starting because mm. MGF is going on first, right? It's hard to know, and I agree with you. If he does show up for this match, there's a difference between him being in character and not showing up at a meet and greet, which is not cool because you've left fans, you know, in the lurch. But at the same time, if you've ever seen MJF at a meet and greet, he he's a jerk. Like he's absolutely sort of fun to meet but at the same time he's a total prick like you don't want to mm -hmm. actually have a conversation with this guy because he will insult you yeah and so i don't know how much 
uh, fans or AEW even cares that uh, he didn't get a chance to meet with fans only because it stirred up so much debate um, that I'm sure it did interest people in the pay-per-view in the final 24 hours. And Tony Khan was very concerned about this Game 7 between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. I mean, so much so. He talked about it. He tweeted about it. Um, he was very aware and talked to Dana White of the UFC about how he structures his pay-per-views uh, because he wasn't sure that people he would lose buys and viewers for the pay-per-view because of the Game 7. So mm. uh, I don't know how much of that plays into all. What I have heard, I guess, is that MJF uh, wasn't really talking to people. He wasn't around backstage much. As soon as his match was over, he took off, um, all of which could still be part of a work. You never really know, but we'll find out, right, if he shows up on Dynamite or he's going to be, um, you know, at the next few events. He's got time left on his contract. I guess Tony Khan could let him out of it, but let's talk about the match a little bit. What did you think? I mean, he shows up. He looks. He makes Wardlow look like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so MJF is professional in this in the respect that he does do what he's supposed to do, which is take like ten power bombs, uh, make Wardlow look like the huge star, and then just sort of get Adels out of there while AEW gives Wardlow his contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you make of the match? Um, mission accomplished for sure. Definitely uh, did was i guess as advertised what was what most people expected i think um i think a few some of those power bombs were looked a little stiff uh, <laughs> i wouldn't i don't i don't know if there was anything inten- i'm not saying there was anything intentional there for sure but uh yeah definitely some of them looked a little bit rough but i guess if you do like 10 in a row that's kind of ine- inevitable that you're going to maybe not um nail all of them um but yeah i mean he did a great job and i mean it would have been very very disappointing if he had no showed that event and it would have really sucked for wardlow who has just got this like momentous amount of momentum behind him right right now he's like so over he's i i mean i like i I think i said in, in in the slack chat recently it's like in wardlow aew have from the ground up essentially created the perfect wwe superstar right um and yeah i mean it's been fascinating to watch his career trajectory has been fascinating to watch um but yeah i mean mission accomplished and i I, i'm curious to see where he goes from here i think you know there there was a time like back in the you know i mean not even i mean this could still happen now right there's um we saw some with, with like if you go back to Ryback right he he kind of went into the main event picture pretty quickly I mean he never actually won the big one but I mean he was thrown into that main event scene pretty quickly and then very quickly exposed um <laughs> but yeah, yeah I don't think we're gonna have that issue with Wardlow um I think he's more charismatic I think he understands his character more and I think he's just more gifted in the ring than someone like Ryback for sure um so yeah he seems to be sorry go ahead no go ahead dude finish go on I was going to say, Wardlow seems to be very professional. Absolutely. He understands. He's the WCW Goldberg. He's the WWE Brock Lesnar. But he's a mix of both guys with the understanding that he was brought in to eventually become something big and it's worked out for him. Mm -hmm. And he is at the precipice of being a massive deal for AEW. But it hasn't gone to his head. Like you talk about guys like Ryback being exposed and can't work. Well, he also had it immediately go to his head, and then he got real big for his britches. Mm -hmm. Um, Goldberg, there's stories about that happening too, right? Uh, Lesnar is a massive star. Lesnar knows what his value is and always has. Uh, Wardlow seems to be the guy that's always done things right. You know, we haven't heard much about his interactions backstage, but what we have heard 
is that he's just a really good guy. He's very loyal to AEW. He understands his position. He understands what the company has done for him. Uh, and he's he's looking forward to what's coming, but not getting too far ahead of himself. So, mm. um, yeah, I think they have a massive, massive star here. And I think the the match was booked exactly the way it should have been. Mm-hmm. You needed a guy like MJF, who's the heel here, mm-hmm. to just get his butt whooped. Yeah. Like, that. that's how that should have gone. That's exactly how it went. It was a, a prolonged squash match, essentially, is what this was. Yeah, and MJF is... The way that he has crafted his own character over the years, I don't know if he realizes it, but he's he's ostensibly Im- impervious to burial, right? I feel like he's, mm-hmm. even though we just saw him get his ass whipped, he got buried, he barely got any offense in, he just got squashed totally. Uh, he could still he could still challenge for the title in six months, and it would, and I don't think anyone would complain. Do you know what I mean? He he's like yeah. he's almost like the way his character is designed and crafted. It's just it just doesn't matter if he. If he gets squashed by a big guy, right? It just yeah, works. You can understand the comparisons to The Miz, right? Yes. Like, maybe MJF mm-hmm. is a higher level, you know, in that top main event uh, mm-hmm. picture on a regular basis. But you put The Miz in there, and everybody's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. Win or lose, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So I could see why those comparisons are there for sure. Okay, um, so if we move on from that match, we head over to the Hardys versus the Young Bucks next. Uh, I remember you messaging me from the event going, this is kind of boring. Uh, this is not what mm-hmm. we were probably expecting from the Hardys mm-hmm. and the Young Bucks, which we've seen before. If you're a Ring of Honor fan, mm-hmm. right before the Hardys made their uh, debut or their return at WrestleMania, these two teams had fought each other. And what was a very, uh, for really, really loyal wrestling fans who know you know all the products, it was a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, that match between the Hardys and the Young Bucks. This mm-hmm. was not that feeling, was it? No, not really. Um, and in my, so I don't know, I mean, I can't speak for you know, everybody, but in my section where I was sitting, a lot of people did go to the bathroom uh, when this match started um, and, you know, go to get concessions and some, some merch and stuff. Um, I think it definitely picked up towards the end. Like I, I think uh, definitely, it definitely wasn't like the worst match I've ever seen or anything like that. It just, something fell off for most of it. I think they pulled it together near the end and in the end it was mostly okay. Um, But yeah. And also the, I feel like the build for it hasn't been like the best thing about the build was on rampage when the bucks came out dressed up as the hardies and i mean that was genius and basically they they kind of got away with um the lackluster build just from that they kind of saved it with that um squeezed in like six weeks worth of build into one episode of rampage basically um so yeah i mean and i mean look hardy boys legendary tag team everybody loves them they're a draw i think to an to an extent they're like still a draw um they're not, you know, they're not what they used to be in the ring. Um, and they don't seem to be making much effort to hide their weaknesses. Um, you know, I feel like when you get a lot of old guys, yeah. you can kind of, they try to work around the weaknesses. And I'm not, I'm not seeing that with the Hardys that much these days, but yeah. Was it me or did Jeff look kind of out of it halfway through the match? Like he seemed to pick it up at the end, like you mentioned. It sounds like these guys saved this match, which... Uh, I would agree with. I thought the last half was much better than the first half, but is that really what you want to say about a Hardys versus Young Bucks match is they were able to save this match? Yeah. But to me, Jeff Hardy looked like he either hit his head or he was out of it for a little mm. bit and mm-hmm. sort of seemed kind of groggy and he mm. disappeared. And there was a lot of stuff going on with Matt Hardy, mm-hmm. who was better than I thought he would be, but does look a little bit older and slower. Mm. Um, but then Jeff got back into it again. Like he started getting into the finish of the match, but there was a point there in the middle where I was like, what's going on with Jeff? He seems like 
Very, very weird. Did did you or anybody there notice that live? So, yeah, I mean, there's weird? actually, yeah, interesting you bring that up because there's obviously like a lot of nuanced uh, details that are easy to miss if you're actually in the arena because, you know, I'm not getting like sort of close-up camera shots. I'm not getting commentary sort of explaining things to me. Um so and I, I I I mean I definitely just thought in general for like a, for like the first half of the match that things were a little off. I didn't I didn't necessarily pinpoint that it was that it was Jeff, but um, yeah, that makes sense now that you've said it. Yeah, it was just really interesting, and he seemed to be all right afterwards. But he just sort of took himself out of the match for a while, which I thought maybe that was the booking. I'm not really sure, but it seemed a little strange. But uh, I think we're both probably calling this one a loser, if not only because it's Hardys versus Young Bucks, and you expect more, but. Um, this is probably young bucks are right where they need to be. The Hardys are on a downward trend here. Um, and this probably was a representation of what we can expect, uh, out of these guys moving forward, which is Mm -hmm. not, you know, not what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So Athena and Stokely Hathaway make their debut in the next match, which is uh, Jade Cargill versus Anna Jay, which I thought was a half decent match. Actually. I thought Anna Jay looked pretty good. They gave her a lot more offense than I expected they would. The match lasted longer, uh, but you made a very interesting point uh, when watching this, saying this felt overbooked. This felt like there was a lot going on here at the end, very clustered, um, kind of chaotic. Uh, Jade said after in the press conference that uh, both Stokely Hathaway and Smart Mark Sterling are sticking with her. Mm. So she's got not only just a lawyer, now she's got a manager. Um, so what did you make of this? The debuts, are they... Um, what everybody's hoping out of this? Were you surprised? And apparently Malcolm Bivens, uh 90 day expiry with NXT ended the day before this pay-per-view. Oh, wow. And Tony Good timing. Khan, Tony Khan said he did not talk to him at all until the morning of the show. Mm. So he did not know what he was going to have uh, Stokely Hathaway do other than he knew that he wanted him. Um, but this all came together the morning of the pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, I thought the match was decent. Um, I think Jade Cargill, similar to what we were saying with Wardlow, I think she's just you know, just money. Um, and they've got very they've they've got like a mega star on their hands there, especially if they kind of utilize her to her full potential. Um, yeah, and then the yeah Anna Jay did well. Um, so so solid match did as advertised, basically what everyone expected. Um, and yeah, and then the after the post match stuff was a bit. Um, congested i guess like i mean i some i think there's i think there are times when debuting two people at once kind of works like we saw that with danielson and cole when they debuted like one like immediately after each other and i think that worked the um yeah yeah the uh athena and and stokely hathaway thing i i just thought stoke stoke came out and i was like okay cool and then someone else came out and then i was like i didn't even have time to process stokely being there you know um so yeah i mean it was just a little bit overbooked but it certainly wasn't it wasn't unbearable it wasn't unwatchable um it was yeah it was fine do you think this is a byproduct of AEW only having four pay-per-views in a year perhaps probably a little bit if there was 12 or 10 or whatever that they might have spread this out a little bit or is Tony Khan so fixated on the idea of these surprise debuts? Because his roster is huge now. I mm-hmm. mean, too big to a lot of people. And I don't know that I would disagree with that. I think his roster is getting out of control a little bit. Um, but he's putting all these guys almost every week. There's no, somebody new coming. Yeah. Right? He's, he loves that WCW, let's just shock you every week on Nitro feel where somebody's coming out. Um, do you think this is just him going, well, I've got two people. I've got to use them somehow. Uh, let's pop them in there. Because I, I agree with you. When you bring two people in like that, like 
Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson and Adam Cole debuting was very well done, you know, mm-hmm. because you think you're done when you're like, oh, man, it's going to be Daniel Bryanson, and then it's Cole, and then you're like, oh, but this is awesome, it's Adam Cole, and then it's Daniel Bryan. Like, that was really well done. Um, in this case, it just felt like, okay, all of a sudden, we've got one, oh, we've got the other, and neither really got uh, much attention uh, because they were crammed into three minutes. So yeah. uh, do you think they just don't have enough shows to spread this stuff out? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. I think they want to. I think they want to kind of maybe develop a reputation which they do have already. But like this, a reputation of um, you never know what's going to happen if you tune into an AEW pay per view, right? And then they and then they can sell more pay per views and they can sell more tickets to pay per views. For ex- I would have maybe had Stokely debut on Dynamite, for example. Um, I don't think, and then, you know, they've done debuts on Dynamite before, but yeah, just maybe, like I said, it wasn't a huge deal, but yeah, I don't think it would have killed them to have to have Stoke debut on Dynamite. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. It is because they only have four babies, but like I said, they wanted, they wanted, they were trying, they try, they want you to, and this is this, they already have earned this reputation, but yeah, they want you to be like anything can happen. Who's going to debut? You know, if you watch an AEW pay per view, at least one person is going to debut. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm with you on the Dynamite thing, especially because. Uh, Hathaway Stokely is such a good talker, right? Like, don't you want to have a segment where he comes out and actually says something? You know, mm. like that's the skill. He's the manager. He's going to be the mouthpiece for Jade Cargill here. Uh, why would you not set it up so that in his first debut in AEW, he's talking? Right? Yeah, like, exactly. I thought that was a little surprising that mm-hmm. they didn't do that. Okay, uh, moving on to the Owen Hart uh, tournament, we get both matches in a row. We've got the men's final uh, between Samoa Joe and Adam Cole. And then we've got the women's final between Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. Um, I was a little disappointed in the Adam Cole and Samoa Joe match, to be honest with you. We had talked uh, in the podcast about how we figured maybe this might be the match, um, that this was the first time for these two stepping in the ring together, even though you would think that they'd wrestled before. Uh, But I got the feeling that the chemistry was okay. The match was decent. But these guys have such a reputation for putting on incredible you know, in-ring performances, that this was only so-so for me. Um, thought it could be a little bit longer. Thought there could be more riding on it. The finish felt a little, like, I don't want to say rush, but, like, three super kicks and then, you know, his finish and it's over, right? Yeah. It was a little strange to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I just expected more. I didn't hate the match, but I just kind of figured there'd be more to it. What was your take on it? What was the reception? Were people hot for this match? Um, I would say by, the, so this is, yeah, I mean, people were I, people were pumped for both of these matches, I'd say, but maybe maybe things things were had started to sort of die down. People had started to calm down a little bit at this point. Um, people were were obviously excited to see Samoa Joe and Adam Cole for the first time ever. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't like that. I think they both have a better match in them. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the, like the most exciting thing. And yeah, the, and again, yeah, the finish kind of was a little bit felt a little bit sudden i guess but um and i still don't even know if i still i'm kind of processing how i feel about uh adam cole and Britt baker both winning the uh both winning the tournaments <laughs> honestly yeah. i also like i know that this was yeah i mean i don't know this was a very it was the inaugural owen hart tournament right so it needed the majesty of these finals happening on a pay-per-view um but that did that did pose some issues regarding with timing and pacing, didn't it? You know? Um, well, yeah. And Tony Khan said a couple of things that gave away why to me, they did what they did here. I was with you. I thought Adam cool should win this. Um, I don't love the way they booked him as a singles wrestler. And this is a big, you know, good thing for him. 
to have won this tournament. He can brag about it, all that other stuff. I thought this would be an opportunity for them to do something with Ruby Soho because I think they've kind of dropped the ball with her, and I really thought, oh, man, this could really move her up yeah. uh, into the upper echelon of the women's division. Right. I don't hate that Britt Baker won this, but when they had the uh, awards ceremony, so they brought both Britt and Adam Cole up on the stage. Martha Hart comes out. She gives her speech. Uh, she gives the belts to both people. And then Tony Khan says in the post uh, show media scrum that he was going to give Martha Hart as much time as she wanted to talk. That he had no limit on it. He actually he's like she could have taken half an hour and I wouldn't have cut her off. Uh, not only because he wanted to be respectful of what Owen Hart's legacy was and Martha Hart and all this the foundation and everything like that, but this was right around the basketball game. So he was very well aware that the longer he was able to push this, the better the chance that he could get those last three matches on without the basketball game being. Uh, something that they would have to worry about. So, uh, yeah, I when I heard those comments, I'm like, okay, it makes a lot of sense now. Like, I understand you've got Adam Cole, you've got Britt Baker. Everybody knows they're connected. They're both standing on the stage at the same time with Martha Hart. They both got Owen T-shirts on. They're both wearing pink and black. <laughs> you know, everything sort of aligns, right? Yeah, maybe this goes better for Ruby Soho in a different environment in a different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't hate it for that reason because I could. I could suspend my whatever that Adam Cole and Britt Baker are heels in this situation and they're Mm. there to be respectful of Owen Hart, who they probably have a tremendous amount of respect for. Um, So in that situation, I'm like, okay, I get why they did this. Do I wish Ruby would have won? Probably. Yeah. But um, I thought that match was decent too. Uh, The only thing I hated was the sharpshooter. Uh, I'm not sure if that was intentionally (laughs) bad or accidentally bad, but it was just not good. Yeah. I feel like the sharpshooter is one of those moves that's like, probably maybe look i don't know people maybe think they can pull it off and then they can't like they, they, it's a and then it just goes to show you you know again it's just a cementing the uh the notion that bret hart is the best wrestler of all time <laughs> um yeah but yeah i mean yeah i agree ruby i would have liked ruby to win she's now she's lost two tournament finals now in aew um i don't think she's quite fulfilled what she hasn't quite uh reached the expectations that that we wanted to see from her when she when when they signed her that doesn't mean and we you know it's not we can't complain too much because i'm sure her time will come right they we know aew kind of has the sort of, a sort of rotational policy um so yeah i'm sure something i'm sure something good will happen soon but yeah so far i would say she's had some good matches but so far her her aew tenure hasn't been super mind-blowing or anything yeah, my only concern for her is the same concern that people have when they look at the WWE roster and how big it is, is that as you had this opportunity to do something with her, you didn't have necessarily all the women uh, that you could choose over Ruby Soho. Now you do, right? Now you've got Tony Storm. Now you've got Athena, who's Ember Moon. Uh, now you've got a bunch of people that you've brought in that you've got to go, okay, well, what are we going to do with them? Uh, so does Ruby Soho take a back seat now? That's yeah. the only thing I'm kind of like, eh, really? You had your window. Uh, have you lost your window now? Maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe they still push her. I'm not really sure. But uh, you've got a lot of people you got to worry about now, right? Because your roster is getting bigger and bigger, and you've got these people who came in and think that you're going to do something with them. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And she had um she had Rancid playing her to the ring. So you know that was cool. <laughs> yeah that was fun. <laughs> Free Rancid yeah. gig. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what I thought was maybe the wrestling match of the night was Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen. Uh, now it wasn't the car crash that the anarchy in the arena was which i'm sure was very interesting to see live but uh what did you think of the o'reilly allen match i thought this like maybe darby allen's kind of taken a little bit back of a backseat here maybe he's one of the originals that 
you know, is being overlooked a little, and maybe they just look at him and say, well, he's Darby Allen, he's going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was a breakout match for Kyle O'Reilly. What did you yeah. think? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I thought they were both great. Um, clearly, o- O'Reilly really needed, like, he really needed a big single, he needed a big singles win on a pay-per-view. And I'm glad that he's got it. That being said, I do feel like this could have been a dynamite match, like a dynamite, a dynamite main event, just in terms of like uh, the pacing of the show and, and how long the show was. I don't, obviously, you know, nobody wants to complain about more bunk bang for your buck, right? The pay per view costs like fifty bucks or whatever, and so if you get more wrestling, that's a good thing for the most part. But yeah, I do feel like this match probably could have just been like a dynamite main event. But I am very happy that O'Reilly got a pay per view singles win. Yeah, this was one of those matches that Tony Khan added last minute. It was the least promoted match on the card, mm-hmm. which I thought made it quite interesting that it might have been the best match on the card. Mm. Um, but this was the example where Tony was kind of like, man, we got to make this pay-per-view longer. <clears throat> yeah, uh, and He talked at great length about that in the media scrum and the Game 7 between the Celtics and the Heat and how to get those last three matches on so that there was time for people who might have been watching the basketball game to go, oh, hey, we're all together, we're just coming off this game. Oh, AEW still got some pretty big matches going on over there and they might get some late buys. That's why the O'Reilly Darby Allen match was put in on the show and where it was put. Um, so I'm also not surprised they were given a lot of time uh, to make it into a, a decent match. Mm-hmm. What, what, the, what did the Darby Allen miss look like? Um, I was watching that and I thought, man, that looked bad. He was going through a dive on the ropes, which I think was originally supposed to be the headlock that O'Reilly puts him in on the outside right. when he tries yeah, it yeah. the second time, but he missed. Yeah. And so he hit pretty hard. Now, usually the, you're at the arena, things that happen right around the ring, if you're not on the side of the arena that you see it, it's hard yeah, to you don't see it. Yeah, yeah. But do people like, oh, ooh, that's not good? I f- you know what? I think if it had been any other wrestler, that that reaction may have happened, but I think because it was Derby, I think most people were just like, oh, whoa, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, there wasn't like a, it wasn't like any, anyone was like super scared or super worried or anything um yeah <laughs> but yeah i think he didn't down been... long to his to his credit he got right back up exactly uh, yeah exactly seemed, seemed to be okay yeah uh thunder rosa and serena deeb i mm. thought this was a, a half decent match where both women proved that they're among the better uh in-ring technical wrestlers in the women's division for aew uh not a surprising result here uh yeah. thunder rosa hangs on to her title here uh, what did you make of this? Was this a match that people were looking forward to? Was this sort of another throwaway match that kind of wasn't as high profile as some of the other stuff on the card? <laughs> when it started, it felt like people were maybe... It felt like the energy was kind of dipping a little bit. But I, by the end of the match, I think people were like very, very into it. And I mean, I loved, I loved the match. I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I, I, would, I definitely want to... I mean, I, I need to rewatch the entire pay-per-view you know just to sort of pick up on some of those nuanced uh details that i missed by being there um but yeah i thought it was maybe if i rewatch it i won't enjoy it quite as much but i being there and watching it, i just thought it was really really brilliant and extremely my shit basically um yeah but yeah by the end of it people were a lot more pumped than they were at the beginning for sure yeah i mean they're both so good right like Mm -hmm. thunder roses really talented and if serena d wasn't an active wrestler she'd be coaching Mm -hmm. all the women in that division probably Mm. right like she's got that much skill so uh, i wasn't surprised that it was a solid match both way around okay the anarchy in the arena match 
which I think, I suppose, is now the new version of the Stadium Stampede, which they'll no longer do because fans are back. Yeah. Um, Jericho said this is a match that they will probably use again in the future. Um, would you like to see another one of these? It looked pretty chaotic. It was all over the arena. Everybody was in different places. To me, it was just a... You know, somewhat of an organized car crash where you just had to look around and figure out what was going on. Right. Everybody's going to bleed. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to happen here. Uh, they do eventually wind up back in the ring where we've got Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, uh, John Moxley, and Brian Danielson kind of finishing things off. And Danielson gets choked out by the rope uh, while in the walls of Jericho. And uh, Jericho's uh, Appreciation Society pulls this one off, gets the win here. What did you think of the match? Was it. Uh, as crazy as it seemed to be, they seemed like yeah. there was so much going on, and it was hard to take it in. You talk about needing to watch this again. I think even people who watch this on pay per view are going to need to watch this again because there's just so, so much that you probably could have missed. Yeah, this was wild, and basically, like everybody, like everywhere you looked, there was something different going on, right? And so nobody, it felt it was like it was like five different matches happening at the same time um, in different parts of the arena. It was really, really wild. It was very fun. People were really into it. Um, very, yeah, just bonkers and enjoyable. I think there's a, I, I, yeah, like I say, I need to rewatch it. Um, I, I, I've seen a lot of people saying that it's like the best AEW match ever. I've seen a couple of people say that it's like the best match ever. Um, I don't know about that, Mm. but it was a lot of fun. And, um, I think it was kind of almost perfectly booked, I would say for, for what it was. Um, I don't, I would like to see them utilize the the, you know the gimmick again the anarchy in the arena thing but i want it to be more spontaneous i don't want it to be a thing where like every double or nothing we have an anarchy in the arena match you know so yeah. yeah yeah i i certainly wouldn't rank it up there in terms of like one of the best matches aw's ever done was yeah. it entertaining sure mm-hmm. was it totally different than everything else that was on the card yes absolutely mm-hmm. um you knew what this match was going to be the minute it started the minute they kept playing uh wild thing john moxley's music and jericho smashed the soundboard to turn the music off uh you knew that they had thought this through and it was interesting how they were trying to progress through different stages of what was going on even though it looked like total chaos Uh, i thought that was interesting i thought it was pretty smart the way that they pulled it all together is it the best thing they've ever done no i i don't even think it's close but um i thought it was entertaining i Brian Danielson was somebody who I was quite interested in watching because at first I was like, I don't know if this is up his alley. Like, this doesn't seem like the kind of match that he would really um, get into. And then he's the guy at the end of it, you know, yelling, screaming, I'm going to kick his head off. Um, this is you know, blatantly swearing on the pay-per-view loudly. Mm-hmm. Uh, really seemed to be into it. And then the finish involves him where he's the guy who actually sort of loses it for the team. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what about Eddie Kingston? Uh, I saw you post a tweet that, you know, this is the guy that we should probably be watching out for. Was he the guy that got most of the buzz? Everybody was really into his stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, that was definitely the case. Um, yeah, I kind of was being sarcastic. I kind of tweeted the gif of him, uh, you know, walking down to the ring with the uh, gasoline canister and was like, you know, CM Punk is a transitional champion because Eddie Kingston's about to get strapped up. Um, which obviously I think, I think that's a I think that's a possibility, right? I would like to see a, a, a Eddie Kingston World Championship reign, even if it is just a, a sort of brief. You deserve this kind of thing, you know, maybe like a Mick Foley kind of thing. Um, I would like to see that at some point. I don't think it's going to happen, you know, within the next six months to a year. But I think I think it's a possibility, and I do think he deserves it. I think he's just, you know, uh, a genuine 
lovable person who's just thoroughly entertaining and absolutely gives 110% to everything he does all the time and has done for the last 20 years. Um, yeah, I, I, I love him. <laughs> Nothing much yeah. to say. <laughs> he's certainly got his fan base. You know, like he's a guy who, when you watch promos, you're like, man, this dude's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see uh, what he's giving when he's in the ring and what he's trying to do and separate himself from everybody else. It's He's definitely got his following. There's a he's lot like of a really good, he's a really good like actor. I feel like he could, I feel like he could be in movies and, or TV shows or something. I just think he's like a legitimately yeah. like engaging screen presence as well. Yeah, yeah, no, there's certainly something about him that sort of attracts you to whatever he's doing. You know, in a match of 10 people everywhere, uh, you're kind of keeping your eyes on Eddie Kingston, right? Were you surprised by the tag team championship results? So Jurassic Express retains here over uh, Will Hobbs, Ricky Starks, uh, Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland. It felt to me like this could have been a match where maybe a title could have changed hands. Mm -hmm. We probably know why it didn't uh, when Mm -hmm. we get to the main event and what happened there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would understand why you don't change the title right before you change something else. But Mm -hmm. um, Jurassic Express retains here. Were people... You know, excited about? Are they still as over as they were? Uh, you know, earlier, or have people sort of gone on to this? You know, maybe somebody else needs a shot here. So I should point out, right? Last last night, that was my first AEW show ever because I I moved to the West Coast right before AEW launched, and they've barely done anything on the West Coast. Like they've and they haven't been to California. I mean, they did they they done a few shows in Vegas, but I was never. I, I live in LA, so I wasn't able to make the make make it out to those shows. Um, so yeah, so last night was, despite following the product since, since it launched, I've never actually been to a show until last night. Um, it was, they were still over. Yeah. I mean, they're still over. I don't know that they're as over as they once were. They're definitely over with kids. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, I don't think people were, I think people were maybe a little surprised, but nobody was disappointed basically. Um, okay. Yeah. Including myself. Like I thought maybe Swerve and Keith Lee were going to win. I think um, Swerve Swerve ate the pin too, right? I think which yes that surprised me. I think yeah, I was expecting Starks or Hobbs to maybe to eat the pin, um, but I yeah, I, I still think the best is yet to come from from Swerve and, and Keith Lee for sure. They've got some chemistry. I, I'll admit I'm I'm not a huge Keith Lee guy, um, mm-hmm. but I did like what those two were able to do together. There were some spots that were entertaining. At one point, he sang something to his opponent who was outside the ring, and then. St- Swerve jumps off of him and does a moonsault onto the guys on the floor. I thought that was pretty creative. Um, yeah, I thought this was a decent match. I know Tony was talking about the fact that this was a huge uh, thing that they were trying to book around. Like, this was one of their top draws for the pay-per-view, and that he believed that going in there in one of the last three spots uh, is exactly where they should have been because there was a lot of buzz around this match. I'm a little surprised by that, to be to totally honest with you. I didn't think of all this card that this was one of the even top five draws on this pay-per-view, but uh, he clearly believes that that was in a spot because it needed to be there. Yeah, for sure. The main event, uh, we got CM Punk, Hangman Page. Uh, This is the big ticket item of the show. A lot of people not really sure what to expect out of this. CM Punk, is he a babyface? Is he a heel? Hangman Page, is he a babyface? Is he a heel? Nobody seems to know too much. The response I'm watching while I'm watching this match, or I'm seeing while I'm watching this match, is that every time one of these guys goes to get some sort of reaction from the crowd, they're being heavily booed. Um, but, and maybe that sets up an opportunity for some sort of double turn, which doesn't happen. Uh, good, good match back and forth. At one point, the referee is knocked silly. 
Uh, Hangman Page picks up the title belt, thinks he wants to use it, wants to secure the win because he has said on Dynamite before that he needs to save AEW from CM Punk. Thinks better of it, dispatches of the belt, goes to do the buckshot lariat, gets caught up in a reversal, CM Punk gets the GTS, gets the pin, CM Punk is the new AEW world champion. Mm -hmm. What was the reaction from people? It seemed like they were hot for this match, especially considering how late uh, this pay-per-view was running and how long people had been there. They still seemed to be up for it. Everybody seemed to be kind of hot for what was going on. But it seemed quite mixed as to who people were cheering for, mm-hmm. even though there was an, a, a decent amount of respect for CM Punk when he won this thing. Uh, what was your take on this match and people's reaction to it? Yeah, I so I thought I was positive that Punk was going to win. I just, had, I don't know, I just had that vibe. And I'd, I'd had it since as soon as he was announced as... I, I, as soon as the main event was announced, you know, a few weeks back, I, I was positive that Punk was going to win. Um, people, I don't think anybody was mad, from what I could tell. Nobody was mad. You can't be, you can't be mad at CM Punk winning a champion, a world championship for the first time in eight years, right? Um, mm-hmm. He's, you know, one of the most beloved performers in the history of the the business. Um, I think people are definitely a little bit. It's you know a little bit sad for for Hangman, right? Um, he his reign, I, I wouldn't say his reign was disappointing or bad, but it was very weird. Um, he was like not definitely not a transitional champion by any stretch, but certainly not much more than that, really, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think he had some good matches, and I think he's actually like a very charismatic. Um, yeah, very charismatic babyface who's uh, he's obviously like absolutely amazing in the ring and I think he could carry I think he probably could have carried the company if CM Punk wasn't in the company, right? Um I don't think you can have Punk there at this stage in his career and not have and not have him be the champion for yeah. at least for at least a, you know, a lengthy sort of reign. Well, yeah. there's a lot going on behind the scenes too, right? Like CM Punk's got a massive contract. There's all this talk about whether or not he's a financial flop or he's a, a big revenue draw for them. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's now, you know, put up or shut up. Put the belt on him. See what happens. See if this increases the numbers. And Tony Khan swears that everything CM Punk is involved in is better for AEW. That he And Tony Khan said this in the media scrum. There's not a single person in AEW who has done more financially for us than CM Punk, mm-hmm. which is a nice compliment to CM Punk, but also sort of like a punch to everybody else on the AEW roster, right? Like, this is the guy that you're banking on, and for whatever reason, it took this long to get him in this picture. Uh, So I think you're right. Hangman was never trotted out front and center as the AEW champion. Like, nothing was really centered around him. Mm -hmm. Um, All the previous champions, the show often revolved around the champions. I never felt like that was happening with Hangman. He just was sort of the champion, and uh, other things were happening around him, and then when you could throw him out there for a segment, you did. It wasn't until yeah. the last you know couple of weeks of the build up towards this card, and the idea that Punk might win this thing, that Hangman became sort of front and center in all of this. So yeah, I think this was all about CM Punk, not much about Hangman Page. I agree with you. If Punk's not yeah. there, Hangman's probably still the champion, and they book this all differently. Yeah, for sure. And I think yeah, what you say, it does feel like maybe they lost a little bit of confidence in Hangman as champion. Like maybe not not long after he. He won the title. I mean, I still think him winning the title from Kenny was just beautiful and perfectly booked. Um, and yeah, I think we'll we'll always have that. He'll always have that. That's going to be in that's going to be in highlight packages in perpetuity for the rest of, of AEW's existence. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, well, like you said, I, and I, I had a conversation with this with a couple of friends as well. Like, he was kind of not featured on the show that prominently during his reign. Like, when the easy sort of thing to reference is Stone Cold Steve Austin in, you know, 98, when he was it, or, yeah, 98, part of 99, when he was in, like, if when Austin was champion, he was in basically every segment of, of Raw, right? He was, like, always, he was on, he was, he was, he was on it at least every, like, every 30 minutes right there'd be like yeah. something with with Austin in and they just I mean they've got a big roster they've got a lot of people to to give time to um so yeah I guess they just had to kind of yeah they couldn't they couldn't do that with with Hangman and they, and they didn't so I glossed over two matches that I'll very just quickly get your take on uh, House of Black defeated Death Triangle in what probably is going to be a glimpse of this trios division in AEW uh what did you think of this it was pretty chaotic fast-paced action all the way through um and uh, julia hart joins the uh, house of black yeah uh fun match um don't know i yeah i'd like to see both teams move on to different things now which i think is probably where they're gonna go the julia hart thing is interesting i mean it's been telegraphed for weeks right we've all seen it coming um still i i think the yeah i liked i liked the payoff there i think i think it was mostly well done I do feel like, I guess, yeah, I, I feel like she maybe should have turned, like that that turn should have been solidified with uh, the Varsity Blondes, right? I feel like that would have, that sort of betrayal would have been a little bit more impactful. Um, but yeah, maybe they'll do something with Julia and, and the Varsity Blondes on Dynamite. Uh, but yeah, other, other than that, yeah, solid, really fun match. Um, people were really into that for sure. House of Black are really a really entertaining team yeah there's yeah. a lot of people involved in that match that are really really good in the ring yeah um, everyone scorpio sky ethan page page van zant um they face Sammy guevara tay conti and frankie kazarian mm. to me i'm watching this going this is really all about tay conti and Sammy guevara and how much people hate them yeah um, is that the vibe? Is that what was going on there? Basically. They seemed to be booked around those two. Yeah, and it got weird, right? Because this feud started before... This feud's been going on, I feel like, for a while now. The whole, like, American Top Team, Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti thing. Um, they threw Kazarian in there, too. But yeah, I feel like they had to sort of improvise a little bit because, but they so they couldn't make... <laughs> it was just weird, because American Top Team are, are ostensibly, like... A, they're still a heel team right they're still bad guys so this was like a heel versus heel thing um mm-hmm. and f- considering that i think it was it was really mostly pretty well done um yeah it was mostly i mean it was it, yeah you're right I, I didn't actually think about that where i feel like it was supposed to be um maybe on paper they wanted this to be page van zant's like big introduction in ring introduction yeah. which you know it was still her in ring debut but yeah it was she her her, her kind of uh in ring debut was overshadowed a lot by by other stuff going on yeah it felt like they booked Paige van Zandt kind of like they booked ronda rousey for her first match at wrestlemania is that yeah. kind of like get her in there she does a series of stuff she looks really strong uh i thought she looked decent but yeah i just i believe like people were so engrossed in the hatred and the vitriol for Sammy guevara and take conti that they sort of overlooked everything else that was going on. Even mm. when Frankie Kazarian kind of gave him the finger, um, I was a little disappointed he didn't stick with it. You know, like he does it, 
And then he says, you guys are crazy. There's something wrong with the two of you. And it looks like he's going to ditch the team. But then eventually he comes back in and helps them again, which I thought, oh, man, why'd they do that? They should have had him yeah. fail. Like, yeah. it would have been better because everybody was so happy that he was like, you guys are crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm out, right? Like, yeah, yeah. People really pop for that. And there was that bit on, uh, on Rampage when they were robbing the um, American Top Team headquarters and Kazarian was like, man, you guys got me committing breaking and entering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's so, interesting. Yeah. Where would you rate the show? So in terms of, you know, overall quality of the pay-per-view, if you had to give it like some, a rating out of five, uh, which is typically what I do when we do our live talking pay-per-views and shows on Facebook, uh, where does this pay-per-view rank for you? Man, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's a tough one. I mean, being there certainly cha- certainly made a big difference, I think. Um, it was a very fun, exhilarating experience to just be there and witness everything. Um, I don't, I think if I actually, when I rewatch it, I don't think it's going to be my like favorite AEW pay-per-view and I don't know if it would even maybe be in my like top four, but it was definitely really, really good. I think some of the matches on there are certainly up there with like, a few of the matches that happened last night are definitely up there with some of my favorite AEW matches of all time, but I don't know as a whole necessarily that it's like my favorite AW pay-per-view of all time but it was solid I would give it I, I'd say probably like a good eight eight and a half out of ten uh yeah okay cool yeah no I thought it was pretty good I thought it felt a little long as we were watching it I was a little um you know sidetracked with the MJF stuff and the storyline there but I thought his match was quite entertaining perfectly booked uh the CM Punk thing is big for AEW so we'll see where that goes I would certainly give it like a three and a half to a four out of five. I thought this was a pretty good pay-per-view overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everything hit, but uh, the stuff that did you know, hit pretty good. So it was quite entertaining. Uh, last thoughts before we close this off. What do you see going forward here for MJF? Is he right back into the thick of things in AEW? Is this it for him? Uh, do you believe that this is kind of leading to their separation? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, they've got a few days to... I think, obviously, Tony Khan is going to want to do all he can to keep MJF. I would imagine there's some sort of negotiations going on as we speak, right? Um, But then maybe, like we said, they've got a big roster and maybe Tony Khan doesn't think MJF is as valuable as MJF thinks he is. Um, But yeah, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I can't make, I I, I would feel silly making a prediction right now because I can't, it's, it's hard for me to envision MJF showing up in WWE at some point this year. But you can. I would have said the same about Cody. So I don't know. You know. Yeah, and we just have no idea if this is real, right? Like we just <laughs> really, honestly have no idea. Like especially because mm. we're talking about MJF here. Like in other situations, you'd be like, okay, well, we can kind of figure out this Sasha Banks and Naomi thing is real. But MJF, you just don't know. He might just want us all to think this is real, right? Him yeah, and Tony could be sure. doing this together, going. The more people think this is real, the better it is, right? Yeah, I'm sure they're leaning into it. Yeah, like I said, I I think it. I think it definitely started out as like I think there was an actual disagreement there, and I I'm sure that they if they figure it out, they're going to lean into it and then try to turn it into like a a thing where everyone will think it was a work all along. But yeah, I mean, my belief is that it it wasn't that at least to begin with. Yeah, it sounds like there are some issues backstage between the two, but. Could it be ironed out? Sure, it can be ironed out. Could it be turned into work? If MJF's involved, absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. All right, well, that was fun. I appreciate you uh, giving us your feedback, your side of things from being there live, which I, I'm sure was pretty cool. I'm kind of jealous that you got the chance to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you, they're coming to L.A. for Dynamite and Rampage and stuff. You plan on going? You know what? So I'm not – right now I'm not planning on going, but I normally um... – 
when I normally if I go to shows like that, I normally don't. I don't. I'll normally get um, tickets from StubHub like on the day, you know. Um, so we'll see. I might still go. It is in Inglewood, obviously. This is if you're not from LA, you won't understand this. But uh, I, I live in the Valley, and Vegas is easier for me to get to than Inglewood. <laughs> That's not true, <laughs> but it might as well be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it feels just as painful. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, right on. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, we appreciate everybody else who joined us on this one. If you didn't catch us live here on YouTube, you can listen to the podcast, download it on your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, where we would greatly appreciate it if you guys listen, download, subscribe, give us a five-star review on that platform, uh, and check everything out on thesportster.com. We have all the articles from the pay-per-view. Our winners and losers is up there right now, and I'm sure we'll have more of the fallout that's coming from Double or Nothing, which we just reviewed here live on the podcast. Uh, for Norman and myself, thanks, guys. Uh, this has been another edition of the Sportster Show. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.